If I'm not ready to preach after that, it's on me. It's on me after that. Thanks, Nan. Thank you, Nan. Number one encourager. If you have your Bibles, open up to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. We're going to be in verses 22 through 59 this morning. 22 through 59. That's a big section of the Bible. It's a big chunk of Scripture. So I understand uh, this morning, instead of standing out of reverence for the reading of, of God's Word, the best reverence we can give is to pay attention to it. And I think by the time we're done reading it, you won't be able to pay attention if you're standing up that whole time. So we're going to remain seated this week as we read God's Word. If you don't have your own copy of the Bible, that's okay. I want you to go ahead and open up to page 1228, the Pew Bible, in front of you. John chapter 6, verses 22 through 59. John writes under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit that as the words on this page are being read, God himself is speaking to you. Beginning in verse 22. On the next day, the crowd that remained on the other side of the sea saw that there had been only one boat there and that Jesus had not entered the boat with his disciples, but that his disciples had gone away alone. Other boats from Tiberias came near the place where they had eaten the bread after the Lord had given thanks. So when the crowd saw that Jesus was not there, nor his disciples, they themselves got into the boats and went to Capernaum seeking Jesus. Verse 25, when they found him on the other side of the sea, they said to him, Rabbi, when did you come here? Jesus answered them, truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of the loaves. Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you, for on him God the Father has set his seal. Then they said to him, What must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do to be doing the works of God? And Jesus answered them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, Then what sign do you do that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? And our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. And Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. They said to him, Sir, give us this bread always. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. But I said to you that you have seen me and yet do not believe. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. So, 
predictably, the Jews grumbled about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is not this Jesus, the son of Joseph, Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down from heaven? Jesus answered them, verse 43, Do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It is written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. Not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen the Father. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever feeds on me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Not like the bread the fathers ate and died. Whoever feeds on this bread will live forever. And Jesus said these things in the synagogue as he taught at Capernaum. Let's pray together. Lord, open our hearts and minds today that we might receive your word and be changed by it. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. We got our children here in the sanctuary with us this morning. I'm thankful for that. Let me ask just the kids a question. Have any of you children here in the room ever been to your grandparents' house? Any of you ever been to your grandparents' house? I see some hands raising as we speak. Now let me ask you this question. When you go to your grandparents' house, do they feed you? They feed you any any food? All right. Well, my kids love to go to Pop and Grand V's house. I love to go to Mumsy's house. And one of the big things they like to talk about when they go to their grandparents' house, now they like to go there, but not as much as we like for them to go there. But nonetheless, one of the things they like is they have special things. Special things. Especially my kids have their hands up. You can put them down now. It's like Simon Says in here right now. I love it. Special things to eat. Every morning when my kids are at my mom's house, she makes muffins for breakfast. They've got to have these muffins for breakfast. I can remember growing up, we would go on Saturday morning to Granny's house. And Granny makes the best biscuits in the world. And we'd go and have breakfast at Granny's house. When Whitney and I lived in Kentucky, uh, before we moved here to Gadsden, uh, we were in seminary there. And sometimes when you live a long way from family, it can be tough. Some of y'all are in that experience right now, and you recognize that. It was hard at times. It's hard to be away from family, hard to kind of be uh, in our first church. We lived in the parsonage, so, so we weren't even on campus with our friends anymore. So it was just a difficult time at times. But 
the people of Sunnyside Baptist Church made it so much easier and so wonderful to live there. Uh, several Sundays a month, our family got invited to eat uh, Sunday lunch at the home of a precious lady, Sunnyside Baptist Church, Miss Robina Shepherd. Now, I'm still 99% sure that she put some sort of addictive drugs in her green beans. They're delicious. Uh, I still think about those green beans all the time. But the thing we're always most excited about at her house and Sunday lunch was her homemade sourdough bread. She'd had the same starter for decades and made this sourdough bread, and she made it all the time. She's regularly making bread and giving it to people in the church. It was delicious. I still think about that bread. When I think about Granny's biscuits or when my kids think about muffins or when you kids think about whatever special thing it is your grandparents made for you or a dear friends made for you over the years. You know, it, it, it makes you feel warm and welcomed and loved. We're, we've got a phrase for that. We call it comfort food. Comfort food. Same sort of thing. It, the, the smell, the taste, the memory of that represents to me hospitality and love. Somebody caring for you. Somebody caring about you. Oftentimes, strangely enough, these things seem to be connected to some sort of just staple food, whether it's macaroni and cheese or something like that, things that you can put together pretty quickly, uh, things that are pantry staples. So oftentimes it's bread. It's bread. It's the simplest and the most comforting of comfort foods, whether it's a loaf of sunbeam here in America or the baguette in France or the tortilla in Mexico or naan in India or pita in the Middle East. Countless cultures have simple, staple breads. Cornbread here in the South or biscuits here in the South or another example. Something we're all familiar with is bread. It's not a new thing. It's something we can all relate to at one level or another. And these Israelites that Jesus is speaking to could especially relate to bread because God had literally sustained them in the wilderness if we look back to the Old Testament and see when they're being delivered out of Egypt, God literally sustained them in the wilderness with manna that he poured down from heaven. This morning we see Jesus himself associating himself with the most basic of sustenance, bread. The most simple of things, bread. The most basic of foods, I am the bread of life, our Lord says. What do we need to know of this bread from heaven, this bread of life? What do we need to know then about our Lord himself? Let me show you three things about the bread of life this morning. Three things about the bread of life. The bread is bread you can't work for. It's the bread you can't work for. We see that the folks are starting to figure out something fishy's happened. All the disciples got in a boat by themselves, and Jesus somehow has made it over here. They're looking for him. They're on a search mission. Now, Jesus very easily, when he was confronted by these people about this, could have given them another miracle, told them about this other sign. But he chooses not to do that. Instead, he begins to try to educate them. Jesus answered them as they try, finally find him. He, he diagnoses the spiritual condition of those who are trying to follow him. Truly, truly, he says in verse 26. Truly, truly, I say to you, you are seeking me not because you saw signs, but because you ate your fill of loaves. You ate your fill of 
the loaves. Do not work, the Bible says, verse 27, for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him God the Father has set his seal. So the people hear this, sounds like good news to them. Listen to what they say. I think it's the crux of this section of the Bible. Then they said to him, what must we do to be doing the works of God? What must we do to be doing the works of God? Now, brothers and sisters, this is your spiritual condition and my spiritual condition apart from Christ in a nutshell. And brothers and sisters, don't think for a moment that we don't all still have the same tendency. We love to take wonderful news. This is, this is our spiritual condition. We love to take wonderful news and turn it into terrible news. We love to take good news and turn it into bad news. That's our spiritual condition. Therein lies the spiritual misery of man, is that we love to take good news and turn it into bad news. Jesus has said so plainly, Do not work for the food that perishes, but for the food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will what? Will give to you. Then what do they say to him? What do we need to do to be doing the works of God? They just can't shake the legalism. Here they stare at life and life abundantly, and they just can't shake the idea, I guess I better get to work. I guess I better get to work. Jesus gives them such a beautiful answer. Listen to this freedom. Jesus gives them good news. They turn it into bad news. And now Jesus is going to turn it into good news again. Listen to verse 29. Jesus answered them, This is the work of God. This is the work of God. Everybody's waiting. That you believe in Him whom He has sent. That you believe in Him whom He has sent. You Can you imagine how deflated everybody was? You know, they just, just knew he was going to say, all right, you need to volunteer at Vacation Bible School. You need to sing in the choir. You need to teach Sunday school. You need to volunteer around the church to do different things. They, they, they wanted him to say that they needed to do something, but he says you need to believe in the one whom he has sent. So they say to him, they, they decide they want to test him. Can you do what Moses did? They ask. Jesus answers them in another beautiful way. Moses didn't do it, he says. Moses didn't do it. God did it. God did it. Truly, truly, I say to you, verse 32, It was not Moses who gave you the bread from heaven, but my Father gives you the true bread from heaven. Sir, they say, give us this bread always. Brothers and sisters, the bread from heaven, the bread of life, is not something you do. It's something you receive. It's not a work you perform. It's a person whom you trust. Do you see that this is the bread you cannot buy? Do you see? Do you see that he's saying the work of God is to believe the one whom God has sent? This bread, this bread that satisfies, this bread that gives life, the work that you do to receive it is the work of faith. It's the work of trust. It's the work of belief. So it's not only the bread that you can't work for. It's not only the bread that's only received by 
grace, but second of all, it's also the bread that brings life. It's our second point this morning. This bread, brothers and sisters, is the bread that brings life. The bread that brings life. Faith, then, leads to persevering life. Faith leads to persevering life. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. Verse 35. Let's look really quickly also at 39 and 40. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father. Listen carefully. This is the will of my Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. This bread from heaven, this bread of life, is bread that brings life, and it sustains you forever. Faith in Christ leads to perseverance. It's Jesus who keeps us up. If you come to him, you will never hunger. If you come to him, you will never thirst. This is the will of the Father, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and he will raise them up on the last day. Faith leads to persevering life, but also faith leads to freely given life. 44, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. What a freedom there is in this. Just a few weeks ago, me and Whitney and my mom and my dad went to the golf tournament, the Masters. We went on a practice round day. Every year, we, it's a family tradition, every year we all sign up to try to get tickets. And they, 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 you can't just go throw a bunch of money at the Masters and get tickets. That's kind of the beauty of it. Now, aftermarket's another story. Technically, you're not supposed to be able to sell your tickets. They say they don't want you to. If they catch you, Selling your tickets, they'll ban you for life. Um, they take this very seriously at the Masters. But there's a freedom, right? There's a freedom in it as well. I, I, I'm not a rich or wealthy man, but you know what? If I get selected in that little lottery, if they, if, they, if they randomly offer me those tickets, I can afford them because they're not that expensive. You just have to be chosen to do it. They give you this option to, to, to receive the Masters. So it just gives you this sort of freedom in knowing, I don't have a whole bunch of work to do. Right? I don't have a whole bunch of work to do to go there. In fact, every year I just either am going to get selected for tickets or not selected for tickets. Every year. I, I don't have a lot of work. There's a, there's a freedom in the way they handle things. Can you imagine? Can you imagine what Christianity would be like if it was a rat race? Can you imagine what Christianity would be like if we were constantly trying to earn God's favor? If we were running toward God trying to do this? No. Salvation is a freely offered gift from the Father. Listen, listen, listen to what Jesus says. Listen to what Jesus says in verse 44. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him, and I will raise him up on the last day. It's written in the prophets, and they will all be taught by God. Jesus says this in verses, 40, in verses 45 and 46. Uh, 46, pardon me, not that anyone has seen the Father except he who is from God. He has seen 
the Father. It is the work of God that leads us to salvation. Now listen, brothers and sisters, I want you to know, I believe with all my heart, and I, I don't think Jesus is teaching anything any differently than this. In fact, he's just said it. Anyone who looks to the Father in faith through Christ will be saved. That's the case. But we recognize at the same time, our salvation does not belong to us. It's the Father who draws us. What freedom there is in knowing that life is freely given. Faith leads to persevering life. Faith leads to freely given life. And faith leads to eternal life. Faith leads to eternal life. Verses 48, 49, 50. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness, and they died. And they died. This is the bread that comes down from heaven, so that one may eat of it and not die. In other words, the bread, the sign that they want is just a sign of a full belly. Give us bread like Moses gave our fathers bread. What does Jesus say? Well, they ate that bread, and they died. If you eat this bread, if you eat the bread that brings life, you won't die. Now, we still die in the flesh, but what he's saying is eternal life, eternal life is offered. Listen to what the Scripture says, verse 51. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever, and the bread that I will give for the life of the world is what? My flesh. Now, I, I want you to know we're about to enter into a section here where Jesus is talking about eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And what a lot of people will try to do is they'll try to kind of smooth this over by saying he's basically talking about the future of the Lord's Supper. But I, I think this is imagery that Jesus is using. It's not necessarily directly related to the Lord's Supper. In fact, uh, I think what you might, might see later is the way that the Lord's Supper is rooted in what Jesus is saying here, not the other way around. Lord's Supper, the institution of the Lord's Supper is rooted in the theology behind what the Lord is saying here. I think it's figurative speech when he starts to talk about eating his flesh. I don't think it's literal. I, I don't believe when we take the Lord's Supper that the elements literally become the body of Christ or that the presence of Christ is in the elements. I don't I don't think that's the case. I think what Jesus is talking about here is a radical dependence on Him for everything. A radical dependence on Him for everything. Faith leads to eternal life. Now I ask this question, why would we settle for anything else? Why would we settle for anything else? Why would we settle for bread, the bread of this life? Why would we settle for the provision of this life? As I was studying for this, it, it dawned on me that that. That, it, that, that the mindset that's produced what we call today the health, wealth, and prosperity gospel, that mindset was present in Jesus' own day because as Jesus is teaching here, he's trying to help people. They're coming to him for health and wealth and prosperity. They're coming to him for bread. That's what they want from him. They simply just want to be satisfied temporarily, but Jesus is pointing them to a satisfaction that goes beyond the day. That doesn't mean that we ought not to care about people today. Jesus fed the people. Jesus taught us to pray. Give us this day our what? Our daily bread. I think we ought to have great social ministries in the church. We provide for people's needs through the mission center, through the dental clinic. I think we ought to be providing for the needs of today. But brothers and sisters, we can't stop there. 
We can't stop there. We must go forward and, and ensure that people are being provided for eternally. Why would we settle for today's crumbs when Christ offers us a feast forevermore? It's the bread that brings life. It's the bread you can't work for. And finally, it's our third point this morning. It's the bread you must eat. It's the bread you must eat. That's what Jesus says, verse 53. Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Brothers and sisters, a radical Dependence on Christ. A total dependence on Jesus for all of our needs. A recognition that Christ provides us with everything we need is not an option for us. It is not an option for human beings. Look what Jesus has offered you. He has offered you His body broken for you. He has offered you His blood shed for you. This is the bread you must eat. It's the bread you must eat. Let me ask you this question this morning. Are you lonely? Are you tired? Are you destitute? Do you find yourself struggling and struggling and struggling? Do you find yourself wandering and wandering and wandering? Do you find yourself in a difficult place? Brothers and sisters, the reason why you're there spiritually is because you refuse to eat the bread that's been offered to you. You refuse to drink the blood that's been offered to you. Christ offers to you total provision. Are you lonely? Are you tired? Are you lost and wandering? Are you destitute? God offers you rest. He offers you a feast of grace. He offers you a home. Consider what Jesus has done. He offers you clothing. Brothers and sisters, He offers you the most wonderful nourishment you can imagine. The soul-satisfying simplicity of bread. The bread of heaven. You go to a restaurant. You go to a restaurant. They love to feed you bread at the beginning because it's just a simple way when you sit down to enjoy something delicious, something hot, something fresh, something as soon as you sit down, you just have that experience. Today, 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 God offers you nourishment like that that lasts forever, forever. No matter what you may be going through, Jesus offers this to you freely today. Brothers and sisters, here's the crux of this whole chapter. Christ offers you Himself. Christ offers you himself. Jesus, Jesus' followers and those who are looking for him are looking for anything and everything. And what Jesus keeps trying to point them to is the miracle is me. John Piper wrote a book several years ago called God is the Gospel. 
What's offered to you today is Christ Himself. You receive Him by faith. He died on the cross for your sins. He was raised again in the power of God to offer you newness of life. Today, brothers and sisters, I pray that you would eat this bread. There is no other option by which you find life. There is no other option by which you enter heaven. There is no other option by which you find satisfaction in this world and the world to come. You must eat this bread. It's the bread you can't work for. There's nothing you can do to earn it. It's the bread that brings life. It's the only place you'll find life. And brothers and sisters, it's the bread you must eat. I offer an invitation today. If you don't know Jesus, if you've never trusted Him for the first time, today I hope you would put your faith in Him. If you'll turn from your sins in repentance and turn to Jesus Christ in faith, I I believe if you look to Him today, God will save you today. Second of all, you may be a believer just say, Pastor, I've not been living the Christian life like I should. This altar is open to you. I'm available for you this morning to pray. Finally, you may be looking for a church home. You may be looking for a, a place uh, to commit your life. I'd love to talk to you today about what it means for you to be a member here at First Baptist Church. After this prayer, I want to invite you to come. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you so much for Jesus. We thank you for his gospel. And God, we thank you for the opportunity we have to gather together today in worship. Lord, would you please move in our hearts and minds today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.